filmmaking was something I started doing with my little sister when mm. we were like 12, 13. Mm. And it was just kind of something to do. And it was really like an evolution from when we were little, we were like, you know, writing stories and making plays. Mm. And so like filmmaking was kind of an evolution from that when we got yeah. a little camera. We did that for a, a few years in it and it was just sort of like a pure joy. Welcome to a new episode of Where To From Here. This is Jess. So excited to have you. I have Simone LeClaire in conversation. Simone is a woman filmmaker and a white queer person who has lived her life across vastly different Minnesotan cultures. Feeling simultaneously odd and at home in all of them uh, in her pleasure-based feminist and anti-capitalist filmmaking practice, Simone is guided by how film might facilitate healing and how to keep creative processes healthy, truthful, and abundant. In this conversation with Simone, we get to philosophical conversation, political conversation. Uh, we talk about how important collaboration is uh, to her art practice and also creating versatile film. Editing is a central part to her filmmaking practice. She is the director and editor of seven narrative shorts, which she has received many awards for and screened at over 50 film festivals around the country. Currently, she's working on a film, a debut feature, Sunflower Man, a documentary about transients, flowers, and a man living with schizoaffective disorder. She's also collaboratively developing her first narrative feature, a heart-centered exploration of Minnesotan landscape, racialized identity, and female friendship. She currently makes her home in Minneapolis. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Simone. I know I did, and I feel so grounded and excited um, at how just amazing she is um, and what she brings to the filmmaking community. Then there was one particular film we made a little older uh, when we maybe like 15 or 16 when we uh, started doing it with our friends and we started doing it in town and kind of involving these different people in different settings. And it was at that point that I kind of struck on the like, not only is this is like a fun thing to do, but this is like a really powerful collaboration yeah also because of the pleasure that people get from it like it was just so um transformative like it was a different way to move about our town was only at 800 people mm -hmm. so you feel like you know inside and out of it but we we're making this filming going around and then people are like oh you can shoot we're like you know we need this setting we need that setting. Like, oh you can shoot back here and yeah like, whatever, or our attic of the store or like yeah whatever it is and you're suddenly seeing these new parts and people are also interacting with you differently because everybody's excited to make the film and mm -hmm. it's like where otherwise there might be these different tensions or just like stresses. It was like, it was just a different way to move about with people and interact with people. And I think that was sort of a beginning of a seed of like, this process is very powerful. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, that was when I was interested to study it. And I also felt interested that I could study that for four years because of the different angles you can take with film and I've always been somebody that's kind of interested in the multiplicity so like I'm interested in the history and criticism and the technical aspect and the writing aspect and the like building of a prop or like the mm -hmm. trying to organize people and all of those different things sort of yeah. with me a little bit in different ways so it's actually the multiplicity that um yeah resonates with me 
Yeah, I can I can sense from your style of working as a filmmaker that um, community is really important. You know that you do like just from your story of of you know the the town you grew up in and and it became almost a small town project. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and and then um, uh, and then how you talk about the collaboration and how that's um, it sounds like that's been important too is to bring others into your filmmaking process and also lifting up um, others as well and um, as part of the crew or part of the filmmaking process and um, so yeah I I wonder um, if you want to talk a little bit about about that um, about sort of the the, your collaboration and because you know most times um, so far like with this podcast or also even with um, some of my past screenings um, or festivals or what have you or curating, I often will exhibit artists that are sole filmmakers. You know, they rarely, maybe they collaborate with like one other person. And I've always been intrigued um, with your style of filmmaking because it has that sort of person-centered quality to it um, as the director and and the leader. Um, But you're also so collaborative and inclusive. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit more about um, that part of your film video work. Yeah, um, I think that's a really interesting crux. Actually, I, I was just thinking about that too. I think that that is something really interesting. And in, in, in some like containers, that's a little bit hard to express because there kind of are two things happening where I feel very like process and collaboration oriented. And I also know that my work has a, has a kind of a recognizable like through line and, and in some ways it's very recognizable as my work mm-hmm. um, something that I have sort of been interested in um in the making of work specifically is like yeah how do you genuinely invite collaboration so that a director isn't just sort of using these pieces as different tools Mm -hmm. um, using people you know and these different elements as tools to create the thing that they imagine yeah like the division of labor (laughs) yeah but you but really allowing the multiple people and factors to create and impact that final um product and and creating the container where that can happen so that the role of the director is kind of um have it obviously having that vision having that kernel or having a clear idea of how that container is held Mm -hmm. but what happens inside of it has room for people to bring themselves in a more genuine um, wait, or I guess the question around that is how genuine or how much of people can um, be allowed in that space? Or mm-hmm. is it, is there a limit on that because, because of creating the container and because yeah. I'm, you know, editing it. So that, that play back and forth, I don't yeah. really know the answer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have always made that a part of my practice. I, it began the, because the first films that I made were uh, the Elemental series. And that I almost, in the beginning, I conceived as a exercise for myself. And it was a way to begin meeting people. And so one of the like restrictions or containers that I had around that was like um, a new cinematographer on everyone a new Mm. team on everyone I think there were some people who helped on multiple projects but a lot of the teams were all new because that was like the purpose of it yeah and um and that was my approach for like the first five or six years that I was making films was was really like that curiosity about working with new people and mm-hmm. and bring and bringing that in, and then in the last couple of years, I started allowing myself to like <laughs> keep some of the favorites, <laughs> <laughs> folks that you work well with and that Works you feel well. like you're you're connected with and kind of yeah. see eye to eye on your yeah on okay that makes cool it yeah it does yeah um, but, but it, it, 
there's things for each. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. It makes sense. Um, what were you working on, um, before the pandemic hit? Like, did you have a project or projects that, you know, experienced a pause? Um, right before the pandemic hit was when I made bathroom break. So Mm. that was part of a challenge. We made it and completed it. Um, so that, that itself was kind of cool because that because I made that just like in the like three weeks before the pandemic that last film and then it was like (laughs) you're done (laughs) Um, oh my gosh I had right before bathroom break in December 2019 I had shot another film that I had prepared um for several months Mm -hmm. Um, and that one is still the pandemic didn't really like I guess explicitly impact this because it was in post-production already but okay um that one is still in post-production and it's not done and I think it just emotionally a different uh, it's like a different pacing was created I was at the beginning of 2020 I was in uh, a rare attitude for me where I was just like I'm gonna make things all year long (laughs) I usually make like one thing every year or two or you know yeah like like, let me make this now let me make this um (laughs) but I was like you know what this is cool because I had made those two films right next to each other which I had never done and I was like I'm just gonna make how about if this year I just make like eight films and I double <laughs> my body work and I just put this other way where like yeah. I'm just making, making, making and try and see what happens. Yeah. Um, and then of course that didn't exactly fit with the 2020 year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I had, I, I don't know. I, I, it impacted me in that I, I felt I was really in production energy and alignment and I for and and I couldn't execute that yeah Um, but I had several projects in post-production to work on and I had bathroom break just completed so you could kind of put it on the festival circuit how I how I would even though all the all the festivals are virtual but it yeah yeah it's a it was a mix yeah, yeah. I think the whole process of even coming to terms, I guess, is maybe a way to express it, the the virtual components of festivals, like yeah. having to make the decision of, yeah, I'm gonna go that route or what have you. Did yeah. you did you feel that way that your that question came up for you to to make a decision or were you totally open to it? Um I think I, I, think I was just like okay this is what we're doing it had a really nice uh drive-in screening by ryan stilpera oh sure that was kind of cool like he had organized this uh little like drive up drive-in screening so we got oh cool we got to see it amongst a group of people that was fairly i think that was early in the pandemic i don't know what um it was so there was like, yeah 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 uh, so there was this component of getting to see it amongst people and then it mm. was disappointment to not get to see it amongst people but I think I was just sending it on its life and this is its life yeah uh, yeah so. yeah yeah definitely um that, that uh, drive-in screening sounds wonderful um I I wonder what helped you most during 2020, you know, professionally or personally. I know that, you know, it was, it's been a difficult time. And even as we're into 2021, you know, the pandemic isn't over. Um, I don't know what, what's helping you. Um, I mean, I, so I was like falling in love at the beginning of the pandemic. So I think that kind of got me through the first mm. few months because yeah. it, it was like that you know super just somebody I really liked and like, yeah. really into and note and so that does give you this other kind of energy like oh we have to save by ourselves oh, yeah like, yeah <laughs> oh, I that have perfect yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> total elation <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that that 
that helped. And then, of course, there are a lot of challenges associated with that also. Um, but I think, oh, I know what I had thought before was like, I actually felt I had a swap because where a lot of people were like, oh, I have all this alone time. I was actually like, I have so much alone time in my usual life, like just self-structuring my work and my days and like my living alone and, and all of that. And my interactions are the planned part mm-hmm. uh, so actually when the pandemic hit and I'm with this new person it was a different for me where like now I am with somebody all the time and there was an aspect of that that was actually even as an introvert like I could feel that was really healthy for me mm. um just like yeah just for the sake of moderation sure and my natural energy is like hermit can I can be a hermit so easily mm. and just um be alone and like I don't even notice they like I've noticed how much I talk to myself in the like I, I, <laughs> I want some of my films are kind of about that but like just be alone and just like talking to myself and and it's almost like this level that's like at a point it's like whatever is happening all in here like <laughs> needs some external yeah, like, thing yeah. to balance it out and so it was hard to all of a sudden be spending all this time with another person but it also I guess for me I could just really energetically feel that was really mm-hmm. needed that mm-hmm. kind of at least set a tone in in the beginning or in the foundation and just trying to be like well this however it's unfolding this is kind of what's needed yeah it's really hard yeah but it is what's needed and this is how it is happening so so you were mentioned that you've had some uh, films in post-production and I um I know that there's one of them it's a documentary right the sunflower man um, is that one of the films um, yeah. that's in post? Are, are you able to talk about that? I'm really interested yeah. in it. Yeah, I'm kind of excited. So that film, for anyone who doesn't know, is about a man living in rural Minnesota. And he, he has this dream to grow um, a field of giant sunflowers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happens kind of a challenge in northern Minnesota because of the short growing season Mm -hmm. and so the film is sort of framed by the growing of the sunflowers over that two and a half months and he's also kind of going through his own cycles during that time and he's a person who's living with uh, schizophrenia and paranoia schizoid affective disorder Mm -hmm. and so he is you know how it is to be him and what it what some of his challenges have been, and he's just sort of processing his life while these mm-hmm. sunflowers are growing. Yeah. Um, that project, uh, I think two or maybe like two months ago, I got it to its first total like rough, rough cut or yeah. cut. I don't know what level of cut it was, <laughs> yeah. but all together in 90 minutes and then was showing it around to people. Um, so it's kind of at that stage of getting other eyes on it and yeah. not being in a vacuum. <laughs> yeah. One of um, the questions that have been like coming up through other conversations um, within this season um, is just knowing when a project is finished, mm. you know, like how, like with the sunflower man, how are you do, like, or other projects would be good examples too. Is it the script that helps you finish when something uh, is when it's finished or, you know, is there something that helps you decide that, yep, this is the final cut. It's done. Mm, um, yeah. I would be interested to know what other people said about that. I, yeah. I, um, I feel like it's a, visceral like it's often like a sort of intuitive thing for me and I mean there's not really a recipe for it it's kind of like when I'm watching it and I watch it through and nothing bugs me (laughs) sure like and not in a like a 
I try not to lean too far into perfectionist thing on that, but it's mm-hmm. kind of like nothing personally takes me out of it. And th- there is sort of a state that it gets at that point when I know I can also show it again and again, and nothing is going to like each time. Mm-hmm. Eh, 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 like yeah. And so it usually the project comes together and it starts doing this like it starts feeding me Mm -hmm. and then I'm like okay now this project is feeding me Mm -hmm. watching it is like a good experience for me and now it's like okay done yeah nice yeah and then that is what sort of creates the Actually, I've never fully like thought it just like that, but that is kind of what happens. And then that is what creates this dynamic that I really is nourishing and uh, sustainable for me, which is me like in a theater watching my work and feeling seen by my Mm. work and feeling like, yeah, that process of feeling seen by my own work Mm -hmm. is just really helpful to continue making work or just to feel like that was worth it yeah <laughs> yeah 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 Hannah Hamelian um a filmmaker animator um uh what initially brought that question up and was curious so just about like when do people know um and it and it's come up in other conversations our last podcast season um as well because some of us work so differently and some of us can make something really quickly like I'm someone that it's just done like I don't want to look at it again you know like and I move on to the next thing you know and so I don't do a lot um of feedback you know maybe I could benefit from that (laughs) um but I just like my brain like as an artist I just want to move on to the next thing or start painting or weaving or whatever it is my my hands or my head want to move forward with um Uh, And then some filmmakers like uh, Kira Faber and Hannah as well, like um, uh, it takes years to finish something, you know, um, uh, depending on the type of uh, film it is or um, how much, what is needed um, to make the work. Um, And so, yeah, um, just not knowing when something is done. So thank you for sharing that. As a filmmaker, as an artist, as a human being, you know, what kind of community or resources do you need um, to, you know, um, thrive or, or, you know, feel good about you and, and how things are going in your work? Yeah, yeah it's a big question. Yeah, that's a big question. Um, I think something that I've sought for in in film is like, I guess there's so, sort of two different parts. Like one is the making of the making of film, and one is like the sort of di- director leadership aspect, like community around l- leadership and community around the m- making of films. When physically making the film, I think it is like things that have really helped me is a lot of women or just people of marginalized gender on the set it does really help in this visceral way and I'm not sure all the different things that that impacts but experientially it's this feeling of trust that I could do something to it it is like a a supposition of some sort of trust in the beginning Mm -hmm. um that doesn't have to be proved like from the beginning mm-hmm. um, and it just makes it a lot easier to work and also to relax and to be in a state of ease when mm-hmm. working I think that's more and more I'm like it's really important in filmmaking to be able to establish that state of ease uh, and what are the things that conduce to that and and help that uh, mm-hmm. because it's difficult and you're doing a difficult difficult processes. So yeah, yeah, anything that that helps that. Um, I also like the quality of warmth 
from mm. people really helps me personally just like I don't know I'm just a baby but like <laughs> it does help it yeah. helps me that quality of sincerity and warmth um is another thing that just sets me at ease that I can be more vulnerable and mm-hmm. more like offer more mm-hmm. in that state um and then in the sort of big picture community, the thing that I usually am seeking is also like people willing to talk about filmmaking more integrated with life and mm. like spirituality and why this as a way of life is really Im- impactful, like I guess just the lessons learned, the relevancy mm-hmm. and like the in the integrated relevancy that filmmaking has um, mm-hmm. for life and and why that would be, you know, if we approach it as a spiritual mm-hmm. practice or of spiritual importance, then some of the choices and decisions we make, um, the reason for it to be being healthier. Yeah. And like making choices from that kind of compass of like spiritual health and integrity. Mm -hmm. And it becomes a little more clear cut. Like this isn't a business thing. Even if we want, we can also talk about spirituality and business and spirituality Mm -hmm. and money and sustainability, of course. But like it isn't, it is coming from that compass of health. Mm -hmm spirituality and um yeah what are the ways to strengthen that in a, in our life so usually yeah. that's where I find community is people are willing to have kind of that big, bigger conversation and an integrated conversation and what I just feel like is a reality conversation like yeah. there's a lot of toxicity in filmmaking especially I'm somebody who is interested in narrative film like and so I'm inter- I'm also interested in reaching a big audience like many of us are or like I'm very interested in people just seeing my work and it you know resonating with people but but also um staying grounded in this process and that like that it's a process of integrity mm-hmm. and that me making work is is springing from myself mm-hmm. and like what I am offering. Yes. Not this externalized process or something I'm removed from. It's, a, yeah. you know. Yeah, it sounds... Uh, like a feminist approach. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like um, uh, possibly an anti-capitalist approach. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's, that's um, that, capitalism fucking everything up and feminism. <laughs> Obviously, feminism is a main thing too. But yeah, I think like capitalism, anti-capitalism and filmmaking is just so important in all these ways and that's his whole own conversation but there is just so much toxicity and harm springing from that and uh, what we are requiring I think filmmaking in the film industry is this distillation of all of these things that are so (laughs) harmful and violent to us if it's just let to run up if it's kind of like let to run its own course it just is a perfect reflection of everything wrong with society. But then the interesting thing about filmmaking is that it also is like not only our unconscious reflections, but this medium where we have the power to make a different choice once yes. you're aware of it. Yes. So you can also create a different model very intentionally. Yes. Like seeing how capitalism is effing up your film set. Mm-hmm. You can create a different model for that yes yeah yeah I think it's important to recognize um that whether that be a choice or a calling purpose as a filmmaker um that it's um that it's a lifestyle that it's it's a part of you know um, an identity um and a way of living um but also the idea of also like 
naming that I'm a filmmaker or I'm an artist, however you want to, to um, do that. And what does that mean? Like, how do you want to represent that in your life and to others, especially when you start to bring in other people or share your work with other people? Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah because there is a lot of power um, at play, you know, within that. And um, as a leader, I just think about as a leader or a voice, um, that it's so important to recognize the impact. Um, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that, Simone, and that in your approach to working and living as a filmmaker, I think that um, it's really important. So many filmmakers either don't make an income <laughs> or do make an income. Like um, it's a lifestyle. Um, we also identify it as work. Um, so I'm just wondering, like, what kind of resources do you need um, to make your films or to to live as a filmmaker? I mean, do you make all of your income from from filmmaking or do you make it somewhere else? Like, how does it all work for you? And <laughs> share what you want, share what share what you don't <laughs> yeah. want to. Um, well, unemployment was great. Oh, sure. <laughs> I never have experienced that before. That was like yeah if only that could just be the way you know yeah. universal income because yeah. I've never experienced anything like that and it was like that was another thing that really was a highlight during the pandemic because we create these lifestyles which really require like even as a, a freelancer just require a lot of um a lot of trust mm -hmm. constant uh, yeah, willing to live in uncertainty uh, mm -hmm. different periods. And so to experience that and just know that like, oh, the next several months, like all this income is just coming in mm -hmm. um, way different. Um, my, how do I typically live and survive? It's just kind of on luck. I don't know. I still don't know. Like I look back and I'm like, how did I, I like do the math at the end of the year. Yeah. Like, how did that work? Like, <laughs> yeah. Does yeah. It, and I usually like most of my energy is towards my artistic practice. Yeah. Um, in the past year or two, I've started try, trying to more specifically engage with like, how do I want to make, like, how do I want to create, uh, some financial stability mm -hmm. in my work that I'm also feeling aligned with and that mm -hmm. is sustainable because it's really true to me. Mm -hmm. But a, a lot of it has been over the, the, the biggest portion of my um, journey has really just been making it up kind of as it goes. And it's, and it is like my energy is going towards my artistic practice mm -hmm. and I'm filling in the blanks mm -hmm. and trying to fill in the, bills with like these other little mm -hmm. um things that come up and mm -hmm. I never really know how that is going to work yeah um, so I think that there's benefits to that it those of us who have went through that process in life I think had an easier time emotionally at the beginning of the pandemic mm -hmm. um, when these questions of worth and you know how your work and life is structured and what your identity is worth and so yeah. uh, there's a lot we have to question all the time any way and we have went through those questions before the pandemic yeah. um so in in that way I think there's a lot of value to that lifestyle I think we get older and we're also like okay yeah, how do I interrogate my beliefs around money? Like the, a lot what I'm doing now is like also internal work around where have I created this mm -hmm. um, binary of either, you know, either I'm an artist and I have integrity or I have stability and money. And so where have I created the separation? Like what are my beliefs around money and how that's operated and what I think I deserve or can possibly have access to. Um, so I think there is just a lot around uh, 
just on a lot of different levels around um yeah resources and how do we do that and what do we feel we deserve and what are the things that also are just making it hard like if you have this priority and there's not a model yeah there isn't a model to get paid for this expressive yeah sovereign work yeah um but there are ways, you know, there also mm-hmm. like as creative people, there are, is a lot of, of different ways to go about that. I've kind of been thinking more about like digital courses, digital offerings to people. Mm-hmm. And I've also been thinking more like in moving to features and longer form work mm. how to really take sovereignty over um, those finished products and yeah. Um, put manpower, woman power, and resources mm-hmm. into like selling those finished yeah. uh, views and getting a, do- a direct relationship of viewers paying the creators because we don't also, the film yeah. industry doesn't really have that model successfully anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, but it's a lot lot of self-building because the models we have and the systems we have just don't appreciate and value that even in film. So it has taken me some time to be to really integrate the knowledge that like the filmmaking industry, even those that are successful financially, these people are miserable, Mm. like so there is that aspect but there's also the aspect of like creators aren't necessarily the ones that are seeing the fruits of that financial stability even on the million dollar you know millions of dollar level so that model is not for the creator of that work so that isn't really a Thing to covet yeah yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> you know like even like as a dream yeah because we could like oh I just at least want to have my dream but it's just like that isn't working even on that dream like unlikely level yeah it's not working so you need a different like establishing what do I really want in terms of money what yeah. do I need and desire in terms of money yeah what are the ways I would actually get that because this thing isn't serving that yeah 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 and how to like to look at like what would make me feel good about my work um you know at the end of the day I you know I woke up and I did my work and it felt good and I didn't Mm -hmm. like you know ruin somebody's life in the process (laughs) or like killed killed a tree or you know (laughs) what I mean like or whatever um so I yeah, so I I think about you mentioned that you're starting to think about doing classes and and digital courses, right? And I yeah. and and so much, and that's also part of that sort of anti-capitalist thing, where and and just creating your own opportunities, and it's an artist's life. And so I just I think that's really powerful, especially as a filmmaker. That often filmmakers are so reliant on others to um, build their career, and I've always admired um, that approach to your um, your. When when I think of Simone Leclerc as filmmaker, I think of like you know a leader of of her own career. Tell me about this direction of digital courses. Um, I I want to take one of your classes. <laughs> like uh, so I'm just starting to develop it now I'm kind of in this incubation course um that is about yeah pleasure-based and feminist business and yeah basically um I didn't fully realize this when I signed up but taking just taking sovereignty over that and um the mindset and internal work that has to happen to believe you know we have something to offer and just all of the emotions yeah a lot of emotions and um and triggers that come up in trying to like offer something what I am starting to think about is just how I want to like what again what I want to talk about in film Mm -hmm. what I wish and I was always seeking the conversation that I was seeking to have that I didn't really get to have. Like that is an intersection of like, I love to talk about craft and filmmaking and like the actual 
filmmaking. Yeah. Also, like, yeah. And I also like to talk about what really what that is grounded in in building that life and why yeah how to have that spiritual center and just or if spiritual is like a word that doesn't resonate it's just like that integrity or like the happiness of filmmaking the the self-evident why am I doing this thing and what am I getting out of this so I also like to talk about um healthy filmmaking is like one of the ways I can quickly say it and Mm -hmm. what are the processes all across like all across pre-production production post-production what are the parts of process and places mm-hmm. where we make something healthier and make it pleasurable and mm-hmm. why is that important and if we are um talking about like I have noticed at different times that the sometimes we have this intention for our work to be cathartic or healing Mm -hmm. um so that is the intention for the product how is that reflected and held up in the processes that we are making that kind of belief that like the belief and experience that to make healthy offerings we need to do this internal work and be working from a more healed place ourselves. Mm-hmm. And in the middle, we need to make our our processes mm-hmm. also healthy in the ways that we're involving other people. Yes. And that is how we've got to become make healthier films and and you know can offer that to yes. the world while also like understanding like yes, I would love to still also talk about craft and yeah. like you know, elevating and critiquing and creating Mm -hmm. work. So like the small offering that my test offering that I'm making is just how to be happy when making films. Yeah. Test name. And it's just going to be like a seven day self paced reset for making films. Um, But I want to do longer, more elaborate, like ones that are either for, people getting introduced to filmmaking because that's another thing that is like bringing people uh, like affirming people who are curious about that and bringing it in and like dissolving some of the exclusivity of filmmaking yeah Um, so I want it to be like a 101 course and then I also want like another course that is more like a reset for people who are burned out and like can't remember why yeah. <laughs> in the first place. And there's also an intersection for me about somatics. So it's kind mm. of what you mentioned reminded me of it too. And we need to like reorient on our felt experience of things. And somatics has tools where mm-hmm. can to help us do that. Where if it's confusing in your mind or like depressing and confusing and conflicted in your mind we also have information in our bodies about what we really want to do Mm -hmm. and what we our bodies need Mm -hmm. and what you know uh, we can use that for a compass yeah Um, so yeah those are yeah I think that's so amazing I feel like not only as a filmmaker, you are transforming the storytelling, the ways in which we tell stories and represent stories on film, but also you're transforming sort of that model of filmmaking and also the lifestyle of a filmmaker and and the work ethic maybe (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, of, of being an artist filmmaker. And I think that's really important my ideal work week is like four days a week, like four yeah. hours a day. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and it's still like, even in that, it's like, let me be at my pace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so just being really real about what is asked and required from capitalism and just from our general expectations of like bypassing our actual boundaries and capacity. Yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, honoring like what actually is that starting point now? If I'm excited about a film, I can work a lot more. But then, then it becomes a matter of like, let me be careful about what I'm asking from other people because they probably don't have the level of adrenaline I have on this. Like, that's the only time when I'm like, oh yeah, it's my film, like twelve hour days, cool. Like, <laughs> I can't sleep at night anyways, and I'm so happy like all the time. Yeah, but, like, but then it is like remembering and grounding like how I feel and working on other products. Like I think an eight hour day is a long day. Mm -hmm. That is already a good solid long day. And for me, it's like, especially in filmmaking, it's like you are running around on your feet and thinking like all this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like changing and other people might have different capacities than that. It is like grounding in what is my real yeah capacity that I have and willing to say that even yeah. when way different is or you you know you have all those oh is that lazy is that like no title that I only think I should work 16 hours a week <laughs> uh, but the, like yeah I mean there's also unquantifiable the thing is we just do so much and there's so much that's unquantifiable that we're talking about the quantifiable work and what actually needs to be done one of the things I've always loved about filmmaking that goes along with uh, what I'm trying to talk about more but it's hard to totally like create that container of how to talk about it is this mysterious and sort of magical element of filming mm. so uh, and part of what I feel like I do and I'm trying to articulate in order to share with other people is is depending on that magical element that mm. it might work so when we start releasing control of our product part of it is we have to release control of our final product in order to truly prioritize a process and be able to respond to people like in order to respond to somebody saying like I'm freaking out I'm super triggered right now I don't want to do the project anymore like I don't know how to like in order to truly respond to that you have to be willing to set aside control of your product and, and prioritize process and tell that person like okay we don't have to do it anymore if you yeah we are on total hiatus. We will call the whole project off. Yeah. If you, we are in this moment truly pausing for you yeah. and yeah. we're going to reevaluate. So to help like let go of the control aspect of the product, yeah. something that helps me is grounding in like all those moments that happen in film that aren't what you planned and that are very mysterious and that are kind of like magic, really like magically and mysteriously like supporting your supporting the film Mm -hmm. um, in the, in this way that like we don't understand. And so the same thing around productivity and, and work weeks in general, Mm -hmm. Like, I think a lot of the way that our energy is used and created is a little more mysterious than we give it credit for. Mm. And that it really benefits us to reset, Mm -hmm. go back to like, okay, well, here's what I actually want to do if I'm not trying to do what I think I should or what you people like require of me. Like, here is where I feel like my aligned self, my most at ease self and start to feel my most powerful because I'm not burning myself out. And then a lot of the way that things execute and happen, it kind of makes more room for that magical and mysterious aspect to work. Um, When you let go of really rigid um, structures and um, kind of requirements and and control in that other way. Sure. Um, Well, you know, I can tell that that you have... um, a lot of um, philosophical approaches to your work, <laughs> yeah. um, and just sort of your methods, and um, and also you um, also feel like a very curious artist in terms of um, all of the different ways of making film. You know, I am really interested in the day-to-day lived experience. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be making documentaries. Um, I'm more interested in sort of the diaristic aspects 
in the ways of um, transforming storytelling. Um, and a lot of that comes from feminist film theory or feminist um, just criticism in terms of thinking of subjectivity as the ways in which we can transform how we share and experience and know life. Um, and so that is what I'm often curious about when I'm thinking about film and also the kinds of film I like to watch <laughs> or I am hoping um, uh, our world embraces. Um, but I'm also, you know, a visual artist and painting and fiber art and um, drawing and uh, I write poetry. And so I'm, I'm multidisciplinary. So my curiosity and my questions are very connected to um, the uh, elements in which expressive or abstract expressiveness um, can uh, be a form of communication in ways that they are a language um, that our day-to-day -day words uh, cannot encompass or possibly, they just don't contain that representation. So um, another way of thinking, I guess, it's so different for everybody, you know, and yeah. um, and you have made a number of different types of um, narrative films. Um, and it sounds like, you know, feminism is, is part of that background for you. But with all the different films that you've made, do you find that there's any curiosities or questions? Or is it more as your curiosities and questions connected to transforming the ways in which um, filmmaking like just as a as like that tool not a tool yeah filmmaking as as the tool you know um yeah i think the they are both reflections of each other i i noticed that in my work um the material i'm usually expressing is all is around internal stories and internal what I could describe as like reconciling with oneself and so a lot of like my just interrogating and self-reconciliation and um yeah integ integrating that mm -hmm. so that is actually the kernel of a lot of the stories I'm attracted to tell which most of the time are something that happened to me or like a, a a slight like portrait of mm -hmm. interpretation or abstraction of something that happened to me it's internal stories and it's around like reconciling with oneself and the my processes are really around that too in terms of in interrogating and understanding like why and why I'm doing this, why I'm participating in this, why we're asking other people to do this. Mm -hmm. And just the gen like the biggest why yeah. this could be. Mm -hmm. Um I think creative, like what is useful about creativity and what is so, or maybe I should say like what is healing yeah. and nourishing about creativity is that it is this really self-evident like the reason why we do it is self-evident like the catharsis of creativity and the um it's like this reflection of life so it's cr yeah something created like our biggest creator created or yeah. like it just the process even scientifically or whatever resonates with you like how energy yeah. created and changing forms and so a creating a project is also that sort of yeah. expression of just cr creating something and that I think is part of the reason why it can feel continue to feel meaningful like during mm -hmm. the pandemic creating something and and consuming the things people have created mm -hmm. one of the things that like we can continue to engage with during the yes feel yeah. like I understand why I'm doing this I might not understand the meaning of my life in this other way I don't know why I went to my <laughs> office job like I don't know like how, uh, 
these things are creating existential crises where creativity and engaging with art isn't really creating an existential crisis. It's the only thing that sort of continues to make sense because it's so yes. it's ah. a self-evident reflection of like us being a person. Yes. Yes. Um, and so yeah, I think that sort of internal work about why am I a person and how is it for me to be a person? Yeah. Like how, how is that actually working in me? Um, That question is kind of in my work in the content Mm -hmm. and it's also in the processes of my work. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Um, Gosh, that all resonates with me so much. I appreciate that. Where to from here, uh, Simone? You know, what's <laughs> move on, move from this really big, like you know, um, emotional conversation around just identity and life and purpose and meaning um, to uh, what's next? <laughs> oh my gosh, what's forward for you? I mean, you're gonna you're working on your class. I'm develop. I've been developing since January, like a, a longer narrative piece with a couple of other. Oh, cool. Also, so that's sort of in this early. That's in the script writing stages, like the writing phase, and then obviously Sunflower Man is sort of in later post production. Yeah, where to from here is sort of continuing to create that container and like those mm-hmm. around just sustainability and. Um, stability mm-hmm. and creating community kind of like this or different ways that like I want to really create and gather mm-hmm. community um, around this work to sort of reinforce it and also I just want to be in production again I think I'm gonna do a shorter project because I'm just like oh my god I still yeah be in production again and it feels like been is starting to feel like a long time. Yeah, um, I can tell that's, it sounds like production is is sort of the heart of your your work that you really, yeah. really like that. And yeah. um, do you tend to work, I'm like, we're about to wrap this up. And I'm like, <laughs> do you tend to um, work with an editor or do you edit your own films? I edit my own films. And yeah. so like, I think the production is like the shortest stage, but it is this other kind of energizing stage that I really need. Mm-hmm. Um, and that these other, the earlier stages and the later stages are a little more isolating, long. Mm-hmm. And so in a, in a way they're easier for me, but it's also this sort of flip side that is like, I really need that to be yeah. balanced out yeah. um, because it just like sinks, yeah, <laughs> sinks itself in. And that's the same thing around, yeah, community building out that other social aspect. Mm-hmm. Just how I mean, yeah, we can say about that after the last couple of years, but Definitely. like that kind of energy of other people mm-hmm. is something I'm kind of really um, turning my attention towards. So uh, where can someone find, if they like totally want to take your class or like get to know you more, um, they can find you on your website or? Find me on my website. I would recommend um, signing up for my email list, Yay. which is brand new. Cool. Um, <laughs> and, but my website is directed by Sloan.com. And I'm also on Instagram and Facebook at Directed Simone. So lovely. I'll make sure to um, have those links available for folks. Um, anything else you want to share? Any questions to add? Um, it's, this is our last few minutes together. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate your time, and I was just wondering what you are working on. Oh, what am I working on? You know, I'm I'm working on a collaborative project with um, Kira Faber um, that we've been open and, and we've shared a lot about uh, via this podcast series. Um, we started it at the height of the pandemic, um, and it was a way to stay connected. Um, you know, we were stay at, we had stay at home orders, and and so yeah, we started mailing art back and forth to each other, um, and it was it was somewhat inspired by the Exquisite Corpse um, game. I don't know if you're familiar with that, oh, but. Yeah. 
yeah, it's a surrealist game. Uh, and it was inspired, but we reshaped it. So it's not like an exquisite corpse game, but it helped inspire our process. Uh, and we made like 20 different drawings, um, mixed media pieces. Um, we wrote some poems as well. Um, and we've been using those poems that we we wrote to create videos, um, experimental films. So each line um, we've interpreted into um, a moving image. Um, and we have different styles as filmmakers. Um, and so it's been really fun to explore and experiment. Uh, and so we are almost, well, we're not done, but we are almost done creating visual images or moving images for two videos. Um, and those would be, if we were to ever exhibit those would be more like installations and possibly um, uh, screenings uh, just depends on um, how they um, and finish. And then uh, now we've been moving into um, fiber mixed media art. So um, we just continue to collaborate on that. And we live, you know, she lives in St. Joseph. So it's like a two hour, you know, commute that we, this is all like email, yeah. Google drive, you know, like cool. Zoom. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but those, that's the mo like film work that I've been working on lately. But other than that, I've just been adjusting to new full-time job work and, um, and just figuring out the next steps for Moonplay because um, uh, we had intended to do screenings, you know, and, um, and I um, hope, and I know that will become something again, um, uh, you know, in terms of the future um, mm -hmm. or where to from here. Um, but as for now, the podcast is a way for us to continue conversations and so much of Moon play was about connection and conversation and intimacy. Um, so it felt like having a conversation series could also fit the bill <laughs> um, mm -hmm. for that. So I guess mm -hmm. that's that's what's going on for me. Thank you, thank you, Simone. Um, I'm excited and I um, hope that we get to um, share your work in person at some point in the future. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to listen to the rest of the series. Wow, what a conversation I had with Simone. Uh, so deep and enriching and uh, relatable. Uh, thank you again, Simone, for your time uh, with me. So appreciated. Thank you for listening and uh, uh, stay tuned for another episode. Thanks so much. <laughs>